Welcome to Good Christian People, an honest conversation between church leaders who recognize we're not perfect, we're barely good, but we want to be great. On today's episode, Tim and I have a dinner party sing-along, Josie finally has his mic drop moment, and together we break down the first two lies that confront Christians in the age of outrage. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Good Christian People. The podcast. Episode 8. Ocho. We're really getting good at our rhythm here. Is that right? I'm very good. Hey, what movie was ESPN The Ocho a... That was Dodgeball. Dodgeball. But I was also going to say, the rhythm is going to get you. Rhythm is going to get you. Name that artist. Uh, 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 Estefan. Gloria. Yeah. Gloria Estefan. Ole, ole. Yep. We we probably shouldn't be talking about secular music here. That just shows our debauchery, right? Right. I mean, you were listening to Freddie Mercury. I was. Just a little bit ago. Mm -hmm. Well, because you said the word bicycle Bicycle. 12 times in a row. Bicycle. So how could I not (laughs) play that song? Yeah. Hey, so uh, my name is Bodie. Across from me is Johnny Utah. And uh, the guy running the whole show, the one we could not do this without... The leader of the Pussycats, it is Josie. Say hi, Josie. The still hairless one. Still hairless. $100,000 richer. Like one of those cats. How much of that were you able to keep? The hair or the money? I'm, no, I was just making sure because the SEC was listening in. Well, probably not the SEC. It'd be the IRS. Yeah. Yeah. FBI. CIA. Something with three letters. NSA. NSA. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Move well, on. Move on. Hey, so uh, we are in episode eight. This is we're getting dangerously close to double digits. Looks like we made it. I can't believe we're still here. I am. Uh, I'm very sticky today. We were putting down. That was a face. Thank you. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> I, I don't want to hear that you're no. <laughs> sticky. I don't care. No, it's glue. Oh, I glitter. No. I mean, it was your birthday last week. So it do was. you still have like you know glitter from your fabulous party? No. No. No, I washed it all off. Got no, it. I had I had two very good presents. Uh, one, actually, I had three really good. I mean, I had a ton of really good presents. Not a ton. I mean, you're an, an adult now, so you don't get tons of presents. But mm-hmm. uh, a memorable present, my friend Brandon gave me a uh, from Back to the Future Two, mm-hmm. the Gray Sports Almanac. Mm-hmm. That was a, a memorabilia. Loved it. Uh, sure. I got a record of Five Iron Frenzy, which was I can't wait. To pop that in. And then another friend got me, and this really was probably the best one, a $25 gift card to Yankee Candle. I love Yankee Candle. Get out of town, man. You you are giving me so much fodder in in the... I I am. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lord Jesus, help me. So there is a... a, um, a sports metaphor that you might not understand. I but definitely won't. Teed up really high. And yeah. what you're doing is like, so in, in golf, you teed up really high. You're, that's supposed to be something where you can hit the ball a little bit further. And you're, you're teeing it up really high for me right now yeah. for some really sinful jokes. I just that, want to hear how you do it. I, hang on to it. For yeah. Father's Day I'm a couple years back, my wife and my kids took me on a shopping spree. Mm-hmm. 
to Yankee Candle. To, no, okay. I thought yeah. maybe to Dress Barn or something. No, 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 to Yankee Candle. And I, I walked out with at least $100 of candles. Wow. It's ridiculous. Well, at least it's not Confederate candle or something like that. So No, yeah. definitely not. Uh, so Yankee anyway, candle. I'm sticky from all the glue, and it's like all over me. And uh-huh. I don't like... I don't, I don't like it. I it's don't shop at Yankee Candle. I always buy mine online from Serenity by Jan. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody get that reference? Oh, I totally do. Yeah. yeah. Joe? Joe's like, no, I don't watch it. TV that's no. on broadcast. I watch the Sci-Fi Network. No. Yeah. Yeah, I like her Bonfire. That's my favorite. Bonfire. Yeah, Serenity by Jan, Bonfire. I'm trying to hear. I'm trying to. What's the song? Um, what? The song that Hunter sings. Oh, that's, uh, yeah, wow. One night, you made everything all right. Yeah, you, you almost got the, yeah. yeah. yeah that's, that you're very night. close. That one the night, you made, made everything, everything all right. Oh, it man. took me by the, the hand. hand. That's what I was waiting you for. You made me a man. That is yeah. from one of the greatest episodes in TV history. Dinner party. Dinner party. Yeah, everybody needs to watch The Office at least nine times through. At least that episode. At least that episode. That is, there is a blooper, you can catch it on YouTube, where uh, it's one of the funniest things, where when Michael pushes the plasma TV two inches into the wall, and uh, John Krasinski absolutely loses it. It's just one That is a $200 plasma screen TV, babe. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So good. Oh, man. All right. So, guys, thanks so much for uh, taking a listen to us again. We appreciate you being here. And uh, we, so we need to bring back our segment from our, our initial segment. I apologize for what I said last week. This is a new segment now? New segment. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it, I, I, it was necessary last episode. Uh-huh. Do you have anything to apologize for from last week? Not that I know of. I haven't Either. listened to the podcast from last last week, so I'm not sure. I listened to it. Yeah. And I will say, I'm I'm very pleased with how it came out. I yeah. mean, we're probably... Did we dance on a line? No. We're going to lose friends? Yeah. We're going to lose church members? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Faux show. Faux show. I mean, we weren't nasty, but I, I, think, I, I think people will be... I'll be honest with you. I don't even hardly remember what we talked about last week. So we, we talked about politics ah, and in the beginning of the outrage book. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. And I, and I think what was interesting about it is that, uh, I think it was a bold strategy cotton to explain kind of our political positions and where we stand. We'll oh, come yeah, back yeah. And That's clarify right. That That's a right. Bit. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I think it was, uh, it was, it was bold. I think people are going to be some surprised or maybe irritated and that's Okay. Um, that's good. We'll have conversations. But if you are irritated or if you're happy, we would love for you to let us know. You can email us at goodchristianpod at gmail.com. Do we still just have those two emails, the ones that you read last week? Or yes. Did anybody else? Sort of, okay. So we we have two emails, mm-hmm. which were great. I really enjoyed those. Uh, I hope more people will, will email us. So far, we have, I believe... Eight reviews oh on iTunes, on, oh, on Apple, iTunes. yeah, oh, on Apple Pod, yeah, Apple, sure, yeah, yeah. Well, that's um, the only place people actually listen, right? Because everybody has iPhones, right? Except for YouTube jokers, yeah. And the reviews, all five star. Josie's yeah. mad because well, he's like, got two phones. I, I got an iPhone, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one for his timer. He's like, I got a computer, three phones, and a tablet. Um, we have eight reviews on iPhones, and. 
whatever that is. Apple How many has. one stars? None. Oh, None. Twos. But I haven't voted yet. My oh. wife hasn't voted yet. Yeah, sure. Uh, but no comments. Like I asked my son, hey, pull up, see if we had anybody write us. And he's like, oh, you got eight. No one said anything, but, uh, you know, that's good. We're soaring, man. I know. I mean, eight. Eight reviews. Eight reviews. Oh. But that's just on one. And and we've had a number of, uh, you know, so when you go back and you look at our, on our site, that it's kind of pulling together all the analytics from our listeners, where they listen, how they're listening. What I think is really interesting is that most of our, we're, we're kind of hitting the same numbers for every episode, except for episode number two. Yeah, the bad, bad church leadership. Nobody wants to talk about failed leaders. Seriously, like half of the half of the listenership, yeah, has not skipped over that episode. Yeah, I was surprised, and I was like, oh, I mean, it wasn't our worst. No, this well, one might be. I think we we called out some people on that one, so maybe people, maybe it's good that nobody's listening to that one. Yeah, so. that's good. That's good. Uh, but I have had some friends that I have run into. And have had conversations and, and they always start in a way that makes me extremely uncomfortable is when they go, Hey, I've been listening to your podcast and I'm like, okay, like what, where is this going to go? It makes me very, like, I don't want to talk about it. Like it, cause you, I don't sure. want you to feel like you have to so say, leave me alone, go. dude. I'm checking out, it, you know, I've right. got three candles I need to pay for. Right. Exactly. Sure. Exactly. I mean, yeah, I get stopped by the, on the street all the time by people who are like, I love your podcast. Uh, and then I wake up, but so one of my friends, Brandon, sent me a long message talking about how he's been listening to it, mm-hmm. and he was commending you a oh. lot because he's like, I watched him preach, yeah, and he does a great job of kind of keeping a lid on the sarcasm when he preaches. <laughs> that when when he's doing the podcast, all of a sudden it's like, oh, oh, the real Tim. This guy comes has out. a yeah. personality. Yeah, you know? now you and, can uh, tell that. Yeah, my pulpit personality is not me. It's a fake. Yeah. Front of pious nonsense that, yeah. Hypocrisy. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Full no, on hypocrisy. He's basically like, I had no idea Tim was funny. I'm no. like, neither did any of the rest of us. But uh, he, those are, <laughs> I'm tweaking his words a little bit. But uh, I did get a, a, a positive comment about me from our friend Levi, who told me I had good diction. Mm-hmm. And that was about all he said. And I sure. went, okay, that's not great news. Um, well, when you don't have a good, sultry, low voice like me, right. you have to enunciate right. well. Me, I can just I can mumble through, and it still right. sounds good. And I, I'm really irritated. I feel like you're just, I don't know, bragging about your puberty. Mm-hmm. Like I will hit mine. Yes. And one day, yes. I will sound good. My daughter called it. What was it? The other day, she said that at some point, Dad will hit second puberty, where it's like his voice will finally lower. And I was like, that's really funny. By the way, so now it's that really you're... She's grounded, but that's funny. You're on the backside of 40. <laughs> Shut up. Right? Yeah. And so when are we going to decide what age is the hill, the crest, the pinnacle? What's that it's age? It's always 10 years older than where I am right so now. So when you're 85 years old, you're going to say, nope, 95 years old. That's the, that's when I'm going to be if over the hill. If I'm alive at 85, I'm going to be so mad. You, you should write a song called Alive, alive at 85. 85. That one night. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, I'll do that. But any of our t- two listeners want to write a song alive at 85? Alive at 85. Alive in 85. And alive at 85. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Alive in 85 was more fun than being alive, alive at 85. At 85. You don't know. You've never been 85. True. And uh, yeah. And then I had a conversation with uh, a pair of twins from our church. Well, not really. They were, it was not at the same time. Uh, but one of them told me they liked listening, but they did have a criticism 
they don't like the way we end the show. How do we end the show? I don't even know. When we say, until then, be good. Oh, sure. Well, we can change that. I don't care. Well, I don't know. So it, it's only that was your idea anyway. Yeah, well, and it's a good idea, but maybe it's run its course. I don't know. But they basically said, I liked it. I would like it if you did it or if I did it. But the fact that we both do it at the same time is like, that's, I think the word was cringy. I don't remember if they, maybe that's just the word that's in my head. Uh, but all right, well, I have two responses. Number one, congratulations for sticking all the way to the end of the Dagon podcast. Yeah. Like nobody, I don't, I've never listened to the end of a podcast Yeah, ever. You know, ever? you just, well, you, when they're signing off, you're like, click, you know, go to yeah. the next one. Um, who, who wants to listen to the whole end of the sign off? So number one, congratulations. Number two, done. I'm out. Oh, no, good. You no, can we, say we, be good. We mix, we mix it up. We mix it. But I feel like we should allow the listeners to determine that because you don't know. Maybe somebody is like, you know what? I was having a really rough day and then I heard both of you say be good at the same time and that just made me go, life is going to just be. So if you're listening to this, if you've made it this far, if you're still hanging with us 10 minutes in to the podcast uh, and you like the be good, I don't know. Well, maybe we'll put out a poll on Facebook or something. We'll try to engage people a little more. Feel um, free to send in a recording of yourself and be good. Oh, that would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Let's do that. Yeah, yeah, that'd be fantastic. Send in the thing of, of you be saying be good. And uh, we need somebody's like little two year old child. Just oh, say, so sweet. Be good. That'll still sound like me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to hit puberty before I do. Uh, and then Josie just They're held up a you note that said second. no. Puberty. He's like, I'm not mixing in anything else. You know, when I drove here today, I had no idea that we were going to say the word puberty so many times. So yeah. congratulations. Well, no, it's it's, it's quality podcast. I mean, <laughs> oh, you just, yeah. You're just mixing it up. Uh, so anyway, so yeah, if, if you um, if you have any thoughts at all on how we can improve the show, I asked uh, a friend, Justin Hannigan, and he wrote uh, a dissertation on all the things that we should be doing differently. And uh, I now have blocked him on my from contacting me. Oh, yeah. He's been he's been blocked for he's years not, for me. He's yeah. not a very good person. Uh, so if you have thoughts, email us goodchristianpod at gmail.com or find us on Facebook, YouTube. Why did I say YouTube? I meant I, I, I almost said iTunes, but I'm so tired. Are we supposed to be on YouTube? No, not yet. I don't know. We'll probably just re-record all this and edit it out. Yeah. So let's just, to the listeners, we're already a half an hour in and we haven't discussed <laughs> anything, but we also have a lot to talk about we in do. this episode. And so we are actually going to break this into two episodes. So instead of just our normal Tuesday, you know, publication of our episode, we're going to put out part two of this one on Thursday. So the, it'll, it'll kind of be like an episode eight and an 8.5, I think. Yeah. yeah. Eight and 8.5. Eight and 8.5. So you get a, you get a free extra episode. Which, free. I think it's always free. Yeah. And no ads. No ads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause we have not yet found someone to sponsor. Us. <laughs> like even, I don't know that we're going to No. Yeah. We, we were, so you sent me an article that basically said you should figure out a way to connect in with other, um, other podcasts and like cross promote each other yeah. and whatever. And, I and went, your response was, nah. should you tell everybody your response? No, my response was, I feel, no, I'm, I'll be honest. I feel like a lot of the Christian podcasts that I have heard and I've listened to are a little bit like, um, I don't know what the word is. Everything is good for them. Everything is happy and perfect. And, and Jesus is always smiling. Um, and I feel like our podcast is a little bit more like, Hey, not everything is perfect, and that's okay, and let's navigate through that. Sure. So, 
So we're real and they are not. No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> but I'm not disagreeing with what you just said. No, posers. I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. No, all the rest of y'all, all y'all posers. No, they've just figured out how to be good. Oh, and, gotcha. And we're, we're behind. Just, we're yeah, behind. We're on the eight. So we're trying to we're on trying to figure ball? that on out. The eight ball. We're behind the. I don't know all of them. So we, as we we're recording this, uh, lying in repose right now mm. is our. B, I always want to say RGB. I know. Because I come yeah, from the I've IT like computer world. So Multiple times. Yeah. Uh, so RB, RGB. Ruth Bader, Bader thank Ginsburg. You. And, and that's, uh, listen, the that's not a notorious RBG. Yeah, that's not a slight to her. Not I mean, I all. certainly honor her and her service to our country and all that kind of stuff. That's just me not, I, I don't know. Sometimes I think I've got a little bit of dyslexia in me. So, sure. you know, those. Initials that's are a little bit hard. That's convenient to throw out there. Yeah. So like anything you say, you can be like, oh, I told you guys I had this. Yeah. So obviously, let's see, I was actually having some dinner with some friends and somebody, uh, you know, my, my buddy looked at his phone and he went, oh, that makes things interesting. I said, what? Yeah. And he said, uh, RBG just passed. And I went, yeah. oh, wow. And of course, he was correct. As we all knew, that did make thing and things are very interesting at this point in time. Yeah. Um, and I don't feel like they needed to be made more interesting. Yeah. Like I would have been fine if we had just had a week where no one died and nobody said anything dumb mm-hmm. and we didn't get that. So what are your thoughts? I will tell you to when I was at my birthday dinner with my lovely bride, we were sitting outside at a Italian restaurant and all of a sudden, I got the alert. It's called a ristorante. Ristorante. Anyway. It's Cafe Gia. It was very, very good. Cafe Gia, please sponsor us or just bring in food. Um, I looked at the phone and it said Ruth Bader Ginsburg had passed. And I went. And I'll tell you, my first thought was. Well, your wife's first thought is stop checking your phone in the middle of dinner. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But our first <laughs> thought was, oh, Brianna. So for those of you who don't know, Brianna yeah. is uh, is our friend. She leads worship uh, on Sundays with us, and um, like Ruth Bader Ginsburg is her her hero. Her hero. Yeah, I mean she's in she's in she's a lawyer. She's in law. Yeah. She's you know very short, very <laughs> short, very short. Like RGB. Short, yeah, RB. R, R, you'll get it. Ginsburg. Ginsburg. Bader Ginsburg. And uh, and so that was we we felt really bad. And then it was the same kind of thing where it was like, oh man. This is a big deal. Yeah, this and is, it's about to get ugly. It's about to get ugly because of what happened at the end of Obama's term mm-hmm. and the, the 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 filibuster, if you will, from the Senate. It's about to get ugly. It's about and to get real ugly. It's ugly. It's ugly, and which is sad because I mean, here's the deal: like, there are some people who I'm not saying that they're excited that she's dead, right? But there are some people who are glad that she is no longer serving on the court because Here, she yeah. was, uh, she didn't make decisions that conservatives really enjoyed. Yeah. I mean, she, I mean, she was, she was big on uh, women's liberation, women's sure. rights and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. But if, and I don't know, I mean, I, re, I really haven't done the, the, the research cause that's not my world, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I guess she was for, you know, abortion. Is that correct? And for some other things that, you know, the conservative uh, camp would not want. Right. She was very progressive. Okay, so yeah. like LGBTQ rights and all that kind of She's stuff. She's very much into uh, equal rights for everyone, and I'm um, and I'm for equal rights for everyone. Yeah, sure. But you know, and 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 she really was a you know the words trailblazer, pioneer, hero. Mm-hmm. All of those have been used, and sure. I think rightly so for yeah. what she his uh, what she did and what she accomplished. And so I think, I mean, she she really was a rock star. I it's going to be a weird comparison when. When I started thinking about her life 
and and reading and understanding what she was and the impact she's had on people, it very much felt to me like the passing of Chadwick Boseman, right? Like we haven't really talked about that, but Chadwick Boseman, the the actor who played um, Black Panther, Thurgood Marshall, um, Jackie Robinson, like he meant so much to African Americans because of the representation, because of how he was as a human being, both on and off screen. And it was just a sense of, I have someone that I can uh, just revere and that someone that I can look to and be represented in this culture in a great way. Uh, and I think Ruth Bader Ginsburg was that for a lot of women um, oh, sure. and what she did. And so her passing is, it's I don't say hurtful, but I mean, it, it, it is sad yeah. um, because of just, what has been has been lost. I think even more for for Bader Ginsburg is, um, I mean, people understood the timing. They understand the political culture, and they understood that she was sick as well and had right. cancer. And I think a lot of people were there. Was a lot of people who were hoping that she would hold on, yeah, and be able to continue to serve in, in hopes of a you know more progressive president and all this kind of stuff. But tragically, man, there's a lot of people. If if I could. If I could say they were kind of hoping that she wouldn't hold on. Here, yeah, here here's yeah. the bad part, man. I was I, hate that. I, I I don't get on Facebook often, but I did get on Facebook like the night that I you know after my friends left for the dinner party, and and then the morning after, I got on Facebook and looked around, and I I did so out of fear. I was mm. really fearful, and some of it is because I've stopped to follow some of the voices. Uh, you know, they, I probably didn't see anything because I've yeah. I've unfriended and stopped following some of the people who were just downright nasty online. Um, but I, I was fearful to see whether people were going to be gloating or happy or excited mm-hmm. or anything at the passing of of another human being. Uh, thankfully, I didn't see that, but just the fact that I was apprehensive sure. said something to me. Yeah. No, totally. I mean, I will say I don't feel like I saw that, which I'm grateful for. Um, I think even President Trump's statement when he found out, at least it seemed like he found out publicly, uh, I thought was a was a decent statement. And I was I was grateful that it wasn't what I think many of us have come to expect from him. Sure. Um, and so I'm, I'm glad that that at least seems like it has been curbed. I think everyone was sort of holding their breath to go who's going to get nasty first and why, sure. which is such a disappointment because the thing that has come out um, that, that people often reference that I, I find so encouraging and also discouraging at the same time was how good of a friend she was to justice Scalia, mm. very conservative. She was very progressive. Mm-hmm. And yet even in the midst of their differing philosophies and ideologies, right. They were friends. Yeah. I've, they I've were the only, right. The only thing I've heard bad about Bader Ginsburg is her policies. Sure. I've not heard anything personal about her that, you know, I mean, everybody spoke very highly of her. So I, I think, I don't know if we've got it. I know we've talked about this in like at our elder team meetings. We've talked about this in many other ways and I'm not sure if we've discussed it on the podcast, but I was reading an op-ed that I mentioned in the last one, Russell Moore, right. who is the ERLC uh, president. He did an op-ed in Christianity today, which I enjoyed, um, you know, kind of in response to this whole mess that's going on now since her passing and, you know, are they going to put another uh, justice on? Are they going to wait for the election? Are they this, that, and the other? Is it going to be a conservative, liberal? And if it's going to be a conservative, is that mean Roe is going to be overturned? Um, and all different things. I, let me just read a little portion of his op-ed here real quick because I enjoyed it. Um, 
He said in the best of scenarios, the Supreme Court will not usher in a utopia for one side or a dystopia for the other. Even if Roe is gone this year, and I hope that it is, that will not mean that a pro-life America in which some unborn child is, in the words of George W. Bush, quote, welcomed in life and protected in law. It would mean a necessary impediment uh, to moving toward that end is gone, as well as a tragic stain in our country's legal status quo is removed. But here's what he says. The day after Roe, if that will be in some ways, is the beginning of the pro-life movement, not the end of it. Hmm. A repealed Roe would simply return the abortion laws to the states in a culture in which most Americans are basically supportive of legal abortion to some degree. We would then need to work to change the minds uh, on human dignity and create even more parallel structures to help women and children in crisis, a task in which we as Christians are called to anyway. Yeah. And so I think, it's good. I, I mean, people think that there's this panacea of, okay, the Supreme Court, now everything's going to change. All it does is put it back to the states, and then, then you've got the, you know, again, it's the yeah. beginning of the thing. And as we, you and I have discussed, uh, if abortion is made illegal in all 50, then that just means we have to work harder to care for the children who are in some ways unwanted yeah. in society. Now, all of a sudden, the, the problem is still there. Uh, it's, sure. And again, I would love to see abortion repealed, right? But um, that makes that that makes things that's not clean and simple like a lot of yeah. people think it is at least in their communication to me. Well, and now I mean I don't know if you saw, but yesterday, and everybody's hearing this like two three weeks later. But yesterday, Mitt Romney came out and basically said he would be he would he would be willing to put forward a nominee. He would he would be willing to sit and listen and vote if it was somebody he could support, which basically means that the Republicans can move forward and put somebody in. They have the votes. They can get it done. Was Romney the linchpin? So they they there's 53 Republican senators, mm-hmm. right? They have to uh, get a majority. So if they're if three of them sure. said it'd be 50 50, it'd be 50 yeah. 50. And then Pence is a split. Okay. He was he would be the one who would determine. So it would be it would be locked in. So they couldn't afford to lose more than three. Sure. And so they figured Collins, Murkowski, and then Romney would probably be the one that would be on the fence. And if they lost anybody else, it'd be over. And then Romney came out and said, "Now nah, I'm cool with it." In which case, Republicans just started doing a happy dance, which is not. I mean, I don't know how else it's going to go. But from what yeah. what from what the Democrats are saying is that. You guys do this, and we are going to blow everything up when we're back in power. Yeah, here's the thing, and it's made—it's actually made mention in this outrage book. Um, you know, our job is to win people, not the point. Right. right. Our job is to win the person, not the argument. And I don't know. Again, I'm apolitical in very many ways, so don't take too much stock in this this thought. But you know, if Republicans win this one, if the conservatives win this one, and they push someone in onto the court. Are they, you know, will, will they win, but will they also burn a whole lot more bridges in doing so because of what happened oh, yeah. four years ago? Yeah. I, I saw a clip of uh, Senator, Senator, I think, I don't know, Lindsey Graham. Yeah. And he basically said, if this happens in four years or in eight years, use my words against me. Yeah. And he literally said, yeah, use my words against me. And they're, you know, and they are, and they should because he invited it. Yeah. And it's just, it's just an ugly mess because of what happened four years ago. It makes this even, even more tragic. It really so. Here's the I deal. It, I mean, if if you're listening, let's just be honest because 
what we, I'm going to say, I, I think both of us pride ourselves on is holding our side accountable. Mm-hmm. Like we're not the authority on the other side, so it's not really easy to do that. Um, that's not really our place, but to be very clear what the Republicans are doing right now as people who identify as conservatives, um, completely hypocritical, uh, completely lacks integrity. Um, it is not acting in good faith. Um, it is things that they would not have allowed 40 years ago. And because the situations have changed and the circumstances are different, they are willing to do something pretty nasty, uh, Compare and you could say, well, it's not really nasty. That's fine. I mean, yes. Is it completely legal what they're about to do? Yes. Is it in good faith? Not at all. And uh, it is indefensible in terms of integrity and character goes. And that to me is a great loss because it is a, I will win right now. I will win this battle knowing that what I'm doing is pouring gasoline on what ultimately will become an enormous war. Well, here's the thing. And and again, I'm ignorant in so many ways with this, but I think what they're doing now is, is the right thing. What they're doing right now is the right thing. Had it not been for four years ago, sure. Four years ago was the sin. And four years ago, they rewrote the book. And now they're saying, Oh yeah, we didn't rewrite it. We're just, we're going to go with the original, right? Let's not go with the amendment. Let's go with the original that we didn't amend. Forget about the amendment. Just forget that. Because they, because yeah, historically there have been Supreme court justices who have been appointed to the court in an election year. Sure. Right. If there's a seat, then you fill it. it. And the thing was, is that the seat that Obama had to fill was like in February of an election year. So he had almost an entire year of him still being president that he could have put some and and the Republicans just said, no, absolutely not. It's an election year. And my thing was like, if, if the seat had become vacant in December, would you have said the same thing? It wasn't technically an election. No, it's like, you know, how far are you going to go? It's just, we're just going to impede and we're going to, we're going to do things our way. It's ugly, man. Yeah. And 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 this is, this is, and this is one of the reasons why I just keep my head out of it because when I, when my head is in it to get to the book, man, that's, that's when it is so easy to get outraged by all of it. Yeah, by the hypocrisy of, of of and and you mentioned sides. I hate using the word sides because that's just that assumes that there's nobody in the middle. That assumes that everybody's on one side of the fence or the other. It's like a middle school dance, you know. Yeah, boys on this side, girls on that side. Um, I mean, there's so many people. I mean, well, there used to be a spectrum of thought. I mean, we are definitely moving towards the other side. Um, so it's definitely more sides than it was before. But I don't know, man. It's this, and this is why I pull back. This is why sure. I go, you know what? My platform is the is the pulpit. My platform is the gospel. And all of this nonsense just gets in the, my head, gets in the way, and it does nothing more than distract me, which, by the way, gets us to lie number four that we'll talk about in episode, episode. 8.5. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so we do need to get into yeah, actual discussion and the lies. But before we do that, I, wanted, I know we kind of joked about the whole, I apologize for what I said last week. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't have anything. But... In a conversation with you, you did indicate that you would like to clarify something that you said last week. Yeah, clarify what, and that's what I just said. So my, I am uh, independent or, or unaffiliated, and uh, in my platform is the pulpit, and I'm kind of uh, political agnostic, and I told you all of that, and I stand by all of that. I just wanted to just clarify, that doesn't mean you have to be, that doesn't mean Joe has to be, that doesn't mean my wife has to be, my mm-hmm. child has to be, doesn't mean anybody else has to be, but that's that's my conviction from the Lord that I need to focus in on the scripture, the, on the scripture, not the constitution, basically. Yeah. Um, you know, I am, uh, that's, that's what God has called of me. And so I just want to clarify to anybody that, you know, thinks that I was preaching that to them. I'm not, I'm just describing myself. Yeah. 
I don't know that I need to clarify my position. I think I made it abundantly clear. Um, I, at least I hope so. If you guys have any questions on where we stand, we'll talk to you about it. Um, goodchristianpod at gmail.com. We would really like to have those conversations instead of you getting mad and telling your friends how we're the worst podcast you've ever listened to. That might be true, but uh, we would love for you to at least engage with us and, and let's have that conversation. Yeah, let's be real. We're not the best. But we, there's no way we're the worst. We're I've heard some worst. really bad ones. Yeah, no. I mean, we're we're definitely top 100,000. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that'd be excellent. Guys, if you've got your books, we're jumping in to Christians in the Age of Outrage. We're continuing where we picked where we left off uh, last week, last episode, we made it through. I told Josie after the, I was concerned about the runtime of these episodes because last episode was our longest one so far. And we literally covered the first 25 pages of this book. Uh, so we kind of had to pivot and adjust our, our schedule a little bit, which is why you're getting two episodes this week. The first one, Today's, we're going to talk about the first two lies that appear in Ed Stetzer's book, Christians in the Age of Outrage. Point of order, sir. We, Please. We, we covered the first 50, 50 pages. Well, so okay. Not 25. Technically, we covered the first 50. We only discussed things that happened in the first 25 pages. <laughs> and then we said the, the other 25 pages were like, hey, social media is bad. And we're like, yes, yeah, social media. All right, on to the next yeah, thing. We just did a ditto on that one, right? We did a ditto pretty much. Uh, we dittoed it. So number one, lie number one that keeps people from in in the age of outrage, particularly, and we're just Christians. dealing with Christians. We're yeah. just dealing with Christians and why we uh, get outraged and, and the lies that we believe. Lies number one, I thought this was a very interesting one to start with, and I think it is helpful for people who are already like, I don't know if I want to listen to these guys ever again uh, because they're progressive idiots, um, which is not true, but lie number one, Christians are the worst. Amen. No, they're not. Oh. See, that's the thing. That's, oh, that's a lie. The, oh, that's the lie. That's the lie. See, I missed them already. Oh, man. So we're going to have to give Tim a second to th- get through his thoughts here because uh, he was, he believed that was true. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, right. Yeah. By the way, do you know that uh, saying I'm sorry and saying I apologize are the exact same thing unless you're at a funeral? <clears throat> Oh, that's a Demetri that's good. Martin joke. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Absolutely. So he had some good jokes. I apologize. He ever, no, he, he still uh, does. He still yeah, does. He still does. Yeah, I would say I apologize at his funeral. So Stetzer says that uh, the lie that Christians believe is that, quote, Christians are the worst. So this yeah. is, in other words, is the non-Christians of the world proclaiming that Christians are the worst. And he says that that's a lie. I mean, quite honestly, this gets back to episode number one mm-hmm. in hypocrisy. It's everybody outside of Christianity looking at Christians and saying, you're a bunch of hypocrites. And we would agree. Yes, mm-hmm. we are hypocrites. But the point he makes in here is that convictional Christians, and if you have no idea what we're talking about with that, go back an episode and listen, that convictional Christians are truly doing okay. Like, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, we're staying, staying constant. We're, we're feeding the poor. We're clothing the, the naked. We're, 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 um, you know, reaching out to the sick. We're, uh, pure and undefiled religion is this, that we would care for the widows and the orphans, right? And keep us uh, undefiled. And he's saying that convictional Christians the, uh, historically are doing that. It's the nominal Christians, right? right. So how would, how does he define these nominal Christians then? So nominals are basically the Christians who are in name only, that they don't actually act in, they don't profess the same belief. They don't uh, act in a way that would be 
evangelical, right? And that's really the the argument is sure. what does being an evangelical mean? Because it used to mean one thing, yeah. and now it means something else. Yeah, I mean, he says uh, nominalism or nominal Christians have just enough Christianity to be dangerous, right? Right? They're just they're they're just fake enough. Just fake enough. I think at some point I remember back in the '90s there was a song on a cassette I had one time that said the greatest cause single cause of atheism in this world are Christian or Christians who what what do they claim Christ with their lips but they walk out their door and deny him with their lifestyle was that Carmen that was DC talk DC talk yeah. yeah I was hearing it in my head but I was like I really wanted to say Carmen's name I knew it was DC yeah. talk but yeah I mean we have basically the lie is is that yes we recognize that Christians look bad Right, like that's kind of what this whole podcast is about, but that's like not the whole story. People with the label Christians, yeah, and and let's be clear, convictional Christian. Like, if you're listening to this and you go, I categorize myself as a convictional Christian, and so based on this book and this podcast that we're talking about, I'm a great human being. Wrong, right? Like, it's not to to dump on anybody, but I mean, we all recognize our own flaws. We recognize our own issues. We're you not perfect. Good. Yeah, you're not good, and and that's not for lack of trying. Like we, we, we want to be good. We want to be better, but there are things out there that, that we just need to recognize and and acknowledge that we have some things we need to work on and that's what we're doing. And so, but in the meantime, what happens is we get lumped in or with the convictional Christians get lumped in these people who are nuns or nominals, Christians only in name who, as they talk about, don't really have it, as Stetcher talks about, don't really have the Holy Spirit in them. Like, yeah, and they're not uses, really true disciples. Yeah, he uses, and, and I plan on this upcoming Sunday using this in my message when I discuss this chapter in the sermon. He uses a, a marathon runner uh, analogy. Yeah. Right? So uh, 100,000 some people run a marathon every year, and a lot of people finish, but a lot of people don't. A lot of people make it 5, 10 miles or something, they peel off, and they just can't. And it's because they didn't train. It's because they didn't put in the effort. They didn't do, uh, you know, the actual, um, they they didn't train. And um, his analogy, it's not perfect in my mind because it puts works into, you know, the equation. But he basically says to finish the marathon of the Christian life, you need the Holy Spirit within you. So in other words, it's not on your power, but it's in your giving yourself over to a a discipleship, giving yourself over to sanctification in the Holy Spirit within your life. And it's the Holy Spirit who's going to finish the race for you. And, and then, and you know, and, and so then we really get into a conversation of the people who walk away from the church. Now we're talking about the old Baptist once saved, always saved. And were these people actually of us in the meantime? So are, were these sure. nominal Christians, were they actually saved? Were they actually of us? Or is it just the people and only the people who cross the finish line with the power of the Holy Spirit? So now what we have is this blend of what is, I guess, considered evangelical, but it is largely filled with nuns or nominals who are making things who are skewing the results, right? That when you look at it, at statistics on Christian engagement or, or what Christians look like in the culture and how our sins or our flaws look exactly like the secular world, which we actually talked about in, in hypocrisy sure. um, episode that, yeah, that, that's kind of skewing the results. That's kind of skewing the, uh, the numbers and so what we have now, and Stetcher talks about it in his book, is that evangelicalism is kind of having an identity crisis right now. And evangelicals are kind of at the forefront because you remember back in 2016, 
there was a whole statistic about how white evangelicals gave Trump the presidency. That 81% of white evangelicals, 81% of us said we support what this guy is doing and what this guy is saying. No kidding. 81%. I didn't 81%. And I, I highlighted this because it's so insane to me is that with all of his past, with all of his whatever, he won more evangelical support than any other 21st century Republican presidential candidate ever. So Hmm. evangelicals, well, probably white evangelicals is probably the correct way to say that. I'm sure sure that's not written in there. But white evangelicals supported Trump more than they supported any other Republican presidential candidate. And then, and the, the, the statistic that he has in here that absolutely destroyed me is you remember uh, Roy Moore, who he yeah. is going through all of these um, a, sex allegations and, and, and abuse, yeah. everything that it said polls released as a campaign reach talking about Moore as a final stretch indicated. I can't even read this event. Evangelicals were more likely to support Moore after the allegations broke. See that I don't like, and that zero sense. Right. And so I have to believe, I cannot believe that convictional Christians who have given their life to the Lord and have said, okay, Jesus, how do you want me to live? How do you want me to think? How do you want me to act? What is the mission that I'm on? When, you know what? I heard about what this guy did when he was younger and, and how he uh, completely misbehaved is, is uh, I don't know who's listening. So I want to be very careful about what, how, we, how we talk about this guy sure. and what we say. But that Christians, convictional Christians then said, you know what? I wasn't for him before, but now hearing what he's done. Yeah, no, I totally am into this. Uh, and so I, there is basically this group of evangelicalism, this sect now that is, uh, is making things go. We have blended our religion, our faith and politics. And now evangelicals have just basically become a political group. Which is why so many people are walking away and no longer calling themselves evangelicals. Yeah, because as he's mentioned, and, and somehow I missed this. I, I don't have any highlights in this um, this section, mainly because I was reading this for the sermon, not for this podcast. But somehow I, I missed this whole section, I believe, when you mentioned the 81%. 81% and um, I know a lot of people, you know, when they hear that, they're going to say, nah. That's, there's no way. There's no way that evangelical Christians were more likely to to vote for him. I went back and read the footnote here because everybody, you know, not everybody. Some people are going to cry fake news because that's what we do. Um, that came from a November 2017 piece in The Hill. The Hill. I, I have no idea the political bent of that um, of that publication, but regardless, they polled people who said they were evangelicals, and that right. was the result that they get. Not right. skewed. You know, I mean, so you can so you can say they asked the wrong people. You can say they asked all of the, you know, the cultural, and it just so happens they they accidentally asked, you know, ninety percent happened to be cultural Christians, and the only ten percent were convictional. But still, these are people who claim Christ, right? Say I am a Christian, yeah. and they moved in that direction towards total debauchery and said, yeah, I'm actually more for him now. So um, as I'm finding the section again, Stetzer mentions in here, and he says, and I, I appreciate this line. This feeds into the snowballing narrative that evangelicals were willing to sell their souls for a seat 
at the political table. Right. Which is a horrifying thing to read. Exactly. And that's what you're seeing happening right now with the Republican Party, the Republican senators who are saying, we're going to put this forward that all we care about is power, integrity out the window, character out the window, hypocrisy. Like they know what they said and they're just like, (laughs) we lied. Right. I mean, and, and it's all about, you know, should we ever trust these guys again? No, you should not. I mean, this is exactly I would love, I, mean, I would love for somebody who is on the right to please email us goodchristianpod at gmail.com and defend what the Republicans are doing right now. Um, you don't have well, to. I'm I mean, pretty sure if you looked on Facebook, you probably would find plenty of defense. I don't want to talk to anybody on Facebook. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, just, I don't look, but I'm guessing easy. it's there. No, it's there, but it's, uh, it's just, I'm post, you know, sharing articles and posting somebody else's ideas. I would love to have a conversation with somebody who, can, can think through these things and have a discussion on them. Right. But again, I, I would say um, that people can easily defend what they're doing right now were it not for four years ago. Sure. Because they're inside the law, but they're yeah. not inside the amendment that they made four years ago. So you could, so basically what they're doing is forget about our past sins. We're going to, you know, we're, we're, we're covered by the grace of Jesus on what we did four years ago. So let's just forget about that and let's just do what we can do right now. Let's well, they knew wait. they were being dishonest back then. Oh, okay. And so, and it's all about, I will sacrifice character and integrity just to get more power and just to get what I want. Like I can't, I, it, the, the, the draw of power yeah. is so great that I'm willing to compromise. Um, and, and that's what's happening. And so I understand some people are probably irritated that we're having this conversation, oh, but understand sure that our issues the fact that there is a moral compromise that is taking place that should not be. Yeah. Quite honestly, I don't know why we're making this podcast at this point in time. We've already ticked off the people because we've mentioned that we don't think that abortion should be legal. And now we're talking about, yeah, I mean, we're, we're <laughs> nobody's going to listen after this episode. Nah. Let's just go ahead and say, um, but here's the deal. You're talking about Christians in the age of outrage. That's the sad part. Nobody's going to listen to this podcast afterwards because we're not agreeing with what they're saying when right. both sides and no one can listen to opposing views in today's day and age. That's frustrating. Yes, it's very frustrating. It's frustrating. Here's what I found in this chapter most incredulous. I, I don't get that when, when we look at a poll from the Billy Graham Center Institute uh, in partnership with Lifeway Research. So for the fake news criers <laughs> out there, this is Billy Graham and Lifeway, the old Sunday school board from the Southern Baptist Convention, they polled uh, evangelicals and non-evangelicals and said, in the 16 election, what was the most important oh, thing, the deciding go. thing to cast your vote? Let me just read through this. Hang on. I'm, go ahead. Before we do that, okay. Josie, have you read this book yet? Have you read this part? Okay. So I wanted to ask you, because yeah. you're, you're looking at the chart, right? I'm looking at the chart. He can't okay. see it. Yeah. Page 72. If you've got the book, page 72, here's what I want, because I'm sorry to jump in on your thing, but I didn't want you to give this away before I asked Josie the I, question. I jump on you all the time. So I know. Fun. So we're going to talk for a second about abortion, right? Or, or is that where you were going? No, uh, yeah. Okay. So I've heard so many people this election cycle talk about the reason we have to support President Trump and have to vote him in is because of abortion for no other reason than abortion. Get those um, Supreme court justices in and let's overturn that bad boy, which uh, I'm sure at some point we will have a discussion about um, there's an article. David French wrote a couple weeks back about how not voting for Trump does not mean you have blood on your hands. And actually the 
where you see the greatest decreases of abortion are during Democrat presidents. Uh, but we'll get back to that. For now, Josie, yeah. for real. Um, so I, I wrote this up. I meant to count it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 10, 11, 12. We'll go with 12 because um, none, none of these and not sure make up for 11%. So Josie, in 2016 presidential election, they asked evangelicals and non-evangelicals. We'll just talk about evangelicals That's, for a yeah. second. Forget about the non-evangelicals. Non-evangelicals. Evangelicals. Out of the top 12, top most important issues, the deciding how to cast your vote. And it was like Supreme Court nominees, taxes, economy, immigration. Where do you think abortion ranked? You can write it down. Ten. See, you, you, I mean, you set up that question to, for the fact that he, he knows it's going to be low. He knows it's going to be low just because of the way you set it up. Josie, it was 10. Yeah, exactly. It was 10. Actually, it's not. Um, it was 10. Because it's 5%. So 1, 2, 3, 4, oh, 5, tr- 6, okay, 7, correct. 8, 9. Okay, correct. Yeah. Nine. Yeah, you're right. It's 10. So, so, all right, let me just read this. So, be, according to the Bill Go Graham Institute and Lifeway Research, evangelicals, let's just, we're not even going to look at the non evangelical side here. The number one uh, deciding factor in the vote economy. Number mm-hmm. two, position on health care. Number three, position on immigration. Number four, ability to maintain national security. Number five, personal character. I, that okay. Technically, well, if we're going by by the count, number person, five. You're right. Religious per, liberty. Religious liberty. Religious liberty. All right, and then tied for five, uh, five, tied for six, seven, and an eight is personal character, ability to help those in need, and Supreme Court nominees, and then all the way down, position on abortion, abortion. rights. Again, I can't even. I I don't even. Again. I, uh, that doesn't that doesn't jive with the people that I talk to. Everybody says Supreme Court and and, and the reason for Supreme Court is abortion. Again, because I think a lot of people think it's going to be a clean. All we got to do is overturn Roe, right. and then everything's. But okay, um, then it just sends it back to the states. So uh, again, uh, I, this doesn't jive with the people that I talk to. But I believe this because it it's a it's an actual statistic. It's an actual poll that went out to all those people, and it's just incredulous that. Um, you know, economy. When when people say I vote in my pocketbook, proof positive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So what I want to look at, (laughs) Josie, hold that up again. Josie just shared. I'm glad we don't have a microphone. He says, my political stance is excommunication of political Christians. That's That's why why you don't have have a mic. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Because (laughs) the two people that are still left, they're like, what is, okay, fine. Um, this is so disingenuous to me, the arguments that you hear now about abortion, about how that is the thing, because what is so frustrating is to look at this chart and to go, people who said my number one issue is this abortion of evangelicals, abortion got 5%, which is only 3% more than non-Christians. Yeah. And that's 5% percent there's literally literally looking at this chart of evangelicals five percent said none of these so it's the same as abortion and six percent said i'm not even sure and improving the economy was 17 percent yeah so when it came down to what is really important 
It's money. And what are we willing to justify? And this is the thing that makes me so frustrated. I'm, I'm glad we're about to leave this chapter because it just makes my heart break. Personal character was 7%. Was more than abortion. More than abortion. And for non-evangelicals, that was one of the areas in which non-evangelicals, non-Christians, surpassed evangelicals. So non-Christians said, you know what? Personal character, 13% is why they voted for or against Trump. Yeah. So uh, according and to Billy Graham Institute, are even less than that. Billy Graham right? and Lifeway, basically evangelicals said it's all about the Benjamins, baby. They said it's all about the Benjamins. Not the unborn Benjamins, uh-uh. but the Benjamins in my pocket. And we don't care about personal character. Yeah. Like this is such a difference from Here's, what we hear in the culture and from what we hear from our circle of people that are just like, look, you have to vote for Trump because the left are baby killers. I mean, and those, I mean, I'm oh, not I've exaggerating that like that. that that's, that's what they're saying is yeah. that just, it's just going to be mass murder of babies in the street if you don't elect Trump. And I'm, I have a difficult time not saying I don't think that's actually what is your concern. Can I pitch an idea that I'm not sure my full conviction on it, so I'm going to pitch it in a in the form of a question. Okay. Is there a chance that the Republican Party knows that to a substantial amount of people, so at least the people that I talk to, mm-hmm. all right? So forget about this poll for a second. Is there a chance that the Republican Party knows that the people that I talk to, abortion is their single deciding vote in, a, in their vote. So in this church, that's sure. what I hear all the time. Okay. Is it true? Is it possible that the Republican party knows? And so they use it hundred percent. Is it possible that the Absolutely. Republican party really doesn't care about abortion rights one way or another, but they know it will get them votes. And so they will stand up and take a position on it. I'll go one further. And this, this is really, I would imagine that there are people that we know or people that we know who are out there who are on the right, who, who wave the flag of pro-life because they, they say no abortion, no abortion, no abortion. Um, and what they're really doing is just trying to say, this is such a loaded issue. I need you to vote the way I want you to vote because what actually matters to me are other issues. Sure. And so what they, what they're saying is, is the economy number one? Like I like the economy under Trump. I like Trump's immigration policy. I like this. Does he have a horrible moral character? Yes. Is he fit in terms of character and integrity for the job? No. But if I get you into say, but listen, if it's not, if it's not for Trump, all these babies are going to get butchered. So don't you care about the babies? And then all of a sudden now I have to vote for Trump and all you're going is I just, it is mind boggling to me that that is a possible. And, and some of you are like, no, I don't do that. Maybe you don't, maybe you do. And you're not aware of it, sure. but somebody somewhere is doing it where they're saying, I have to take this most loaded issue and say, if you don't vote the way I want you to, you have blood on your hands, which is what David French, that whole article was about. Uh, I mean, and, and to be fair, to be fair, I mean, politicians use policy and they use stances to attract votes right sure. and they know and they and, and they're going to take a position because they know that it's going to pull people in uh, so to be fair the, the the democrats do it as well I yeah 100 percent. if if nothing else everyone saw that sound clip of um candidate biden 
saying, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black, basically, to the right. black community. So, right. uh, again, so you're black, so you're definitely going to vote for me. You are pro-life. You're definitely going to vote for me, whatever. You know, it's just this is who you are. So because I know you and you're no longer complex to me, you are very simple. In fact, you are a yeah. simple tin. I'm going to tell you what you're supposed, what you think you need to hear. Uh, and I'm just going to hit this one button. And when I hit this one button on you simpleton, left or right, this is what we hear. I'm just going to hit this little button. You're going to vote for me. Right. It's just red meat to whichever party you're going to. And I, I 100% believe most people are far more complex than that. But those hot button issues work. Okay. So I think we're kind of even off topic here. So we started off talking about Christians are the worst and that being a lie. So let, let me just, can, or do you have any more to talk about or can we wrap here, up this one? Point? Yeah. Let me pivot this way and say this. Oh, I said pivot. I'm trying not to say pivot. Those. Pivot. So for those of you who are listening, who go, you know, look, the lie is that Christians are the worst. So don't be discouraged by terrible examples of Christians who get in the spotlight. Okay. Because they are there. There are going to be Christians out there who are in front of microphones who are going to make you look bad, right? Don't be discouraged by that. But at the same time, don't be complacent. Don't be, uh, don't allow them to be the ones that speak for you, that we have to show another way. It's not enough to sit back and go, well, that's not me. That's not who I am. That's what, what we need to show that there are other voices and other people out there who are stepping up to say, this is who we are. This is what a convictional Christian looks like. Um, and that's why I just think, I think there are so many people who are walking away from the term evangelical because it has become hijacked to mean something it does. It used to not mean, and now it means. And so we are on now to line number two. And we're already going so long. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad we are not trying to do all four of these in one episode. So lie number two, my outrage is a righteous anger. Ooh. Right? Because I am mad about the right things. And so I am just like God and my wrath. And I'm going to throw myself into the, you know, to the fray. And I'm just going to, well, let's say this. So Jesus tossed the temple tables. So why can't I? I would say this. We hear this a lot. Yes, Jesus overturned the the tables in the temple. He did that once. Jesus was not someone who typically grabbed a whip and started beating people and chasing out animals and doing that. There were times where Jesus exhibited anger. Um, most of the time when Jesus exhibited anger, it was it was, it was still a loving, yeah, it was at the Pharisees, but even when he, and he, and Stetcher talks about here where there are times where Jesus refers to being angry at people, he has anger in his heart towards their sin, but he's not yelling at them. He's not throwing things at them and threatening them and acting in a way that is aggressive, that there is anger, but that anger remains holy mm. and it remains righteous. And the thing is, is that, yes, we can look and we could say, yes, there, there was a time where Jesus really went off. Um, he flexed his muscles and all of a sudden you're like, this is a guy. But what he was doing it for was the purity of his father's house. Of the temple. The temple. Right. And so how, if you want to have religion... righteous anger, then get mad at what's going on in the church. Don't get sure. mad at what's going on in the world. Again, I, I think... Christ calls us not to anger when we see a world crumbling. He calls us to compassion and to 
um, to, 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 to emote sadness. I mean, he looked at Jerusalem and he wept over Jerusalem. He wasn't angry saying, you don't know the path for peace. He yeah. wept saying, you don't understand the path for peace. And so Stetzer makes the point that righteous anger quite honestly comes from God and God alone because he is the only one who is truly right. He is the only one who is truly holy. He is the only one who is truly perfect in all of his ways. And yes, God does get angry. He gets angry at injustice. He gets angry at sin. He gets angry at rebellion. He gets angry at a a lot of different things, Um, corruption, oppression, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, But when we get angry, we like to say we are righteous in our anger, but we're not righteous in our lives. No. So again, he, he uses the term, which I love pump the brakes, yeah. like pump the brakes y'all pump on it. your anger that you think is fire from the throne of God. When you are, you, you, you haven't approached the throne of God quite uh, as much as you should. You might not have approached the throne of God in, in, in quite some time, but right. you're still going to have righteous anger. But I'm gonna have righteous anger because I know what makes God mad. And it's interesting how it's always the things that make me mad. Now, here's what I want to. Uh, to point out when he talks about righteous anger, he talks, says that basically Christians are not great stewards of our anger, right? That yes, God gets angry and Christians can get angry. And sometimes we should get angry. The difference is God's anger is righteous. Ours is almost always not. And he gives three characteristics of what is righteous anger. And the first we can, we pretty much do the first one and then we stop there, which is what angers God, mm-hmm. right? We can sit there and say, does this anger God? Yes, it does. Does this anger God? Yes, it does. Does this break God's heart? Yes, it does. So then I can be mad about it. But he goes on to number two. Well, the things that anger God are indictments on both sides of the aisle. Sure. Does abortion anger God? Shorts, murder of yep. babies. Does um, cage children and the oppression of immigrants anger God? Yes, it does. And so, welcome to the party, everybody. None yeah. of us, no one on the spectrum, no one not even me who team. removes myself from the spectrum, right. is right. Right. And so, the first one is, what anger's God? The second characteristic of righteous anger is that righteous anger mirrors the way God is angry. And this is so big, because what we do is we take that one example of Jesus clearing out the temple and getting ticked off yeah. and, and being aggressive and bowing up at everybody, and that that's how we're supposed to do it. Can I but, read from Exodus 35 and 34, from, and then you can, you can give the commentary? So here's how God describes himself to Moses in Exodus 34. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there. And proclaimed the name of the Lord, and the Lord passed before him and proclaimed. Here's the word of the Lord. You ready? The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and to the fourth generation. There's wow. three words in there that many of us don't like. Slow to anger. Yeah. Because our anger is reactionary. Our reaction, our, our anger, we shoot from the hip and we see something and boom, we're angry. Yeah. But here's, you know, and we say, and we say we're righteous when we do it, but here's God saying, uh, no, look at me who is bathed in love and faithfulness, bathed in forgiveness of sin and transgression uh, yes, I'm, 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 I am wrathful. Like I will come down on things and I will cleanse things and, and I will be angry, but I'm slow. There's more mercy. There's more grace than there is anger in the person of God. And Stetzer says it this way right after that. 
God's righteous indignation flows from his love and faithfulness. Likewise, if your anger is not consistently and sacrificially tempered by steadfast love and forgiveness, it is not righteous anger. If that's not what your anger looks like, you are not righteously being angry. You are not honoring God in your anger. You picking up a weapon, whatever that is, may just be a verbal weapon and tearing someone down because they disagree with what you think is the correct way to do things or what honors God. You can be mad over what angers God. You can, and you can still care, conduct yourself, carry and conduct yourself in a way that is unholy. You have not won. Mm. You have done the exact, you are contributing to this culture of outrage And so you don't get bonus points for saying, I'm going to tear something down in the name of God and God go, oh, well, you know what? That's not how I would have done it. I would have treated people completely differently, but because you're standing up for this cause, because you hurt other people with the way you did it, then, then, okay, yeah, fine. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you a pass on this one. That is not the case at all. And it leads to the last characteristic of righteous anger, that it submits to God's role as ultimate judge. Right, so he says, uh, he, he quotes, uh, when, when God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay in Romans chapter 12. He doesn't qualify with that with, but only if you don't want to dish out some of this really sweet justice for yourself. God is not sitting back waiting for us to swing and a miss. God's not waiting for us to, you know, put our, you know, well, do, do you want to be the judge here? And if not, then okay, I'll do my job. Right. God's always the judge. He doesn't need us to dish out any vengeance. He doesn't need us to do any of that. Um, but he does point out some of the Psalms that make some of us uncomfortable sometimes. Yeah. When we read through the Psalms and David is looking at the enemies around and he basically says, God, can you kill all of these people for me? Right. Uh, he, he does point out the, at least the, the good in that though. Sure. He's, he's saying, listen, David is not saying, God, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to smite all these people. He's saying, God, right. can, can you do what is your job? It's an honest, it is an honest acknowledgement of this is how I'm feeling right now. And this is what I want done. Am I going to go do that? No, I'm not. I understand God, you are in control. If you don't want this to happen, then that's the way it is. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and so I don't have any issues with those Psalms because it's basically David, it's basically the Psalmist saying, this is how I'm feeling. I'm really not feeling great about these people or this issue. And God, I'm going to lay it before you and I'm going to walk away because that's not my place to carry that anger and to carry that hatred, which is what we do. And so Stetzer, I almost said pivot. I almost said it. That's going to be just the name of our podcast now. Um, So we need to talk about outrage and what outrage looks like, because if we have, if we are not conducting our lives and conducting our anger in a righteous way, then that's not just unrighteous anger. That is straight up outrage. And that's the issue that we have to talk about. And there's so much of it happening everywhere on both sides. And at some point, somebody has to be the one to say, I'm not going to further this outrage. And so we need to look And Stetcher gives us like a ton of uh, descriptions of what outrage is. And so I just want to kind of look at those real quick. Number one is outrage is disproportionate, right? Like it is always escalating. So if somebody calls you a name, then you call a name worse. 
then they respond in kind. And it goes back and forth where every time it's not even an eye for an eye. It's you have done this to me. So I will come over the top and do something to you. That's, I mean, and I hate to keep coming back to that, but that's where we are with this Supreme court nominate uh, nomination business is that the Democrats did one thing wrong. And so now then the Republicans come back over and they're going to do something wrong and, and lacking in, in integrity. And then the, in response, the Democrats are going to come back and say, well, you know what you did this. So now I'm going to come back in. And it's just, at some point, somebody has to decide I'm just going to do the right thing Yeah, that I'm, I'm not going to continue to escalate this. I'm going to deescalate someone has to say, I'm going to stop doing this. Uh, but no one's willing to do that. It's this idea of, I will start doing the right thing as soon as the other person starts doing the right thing. Anybody with kids knows how childish that is. And it's not name calling. That is exactly what children do, which is he hit me first. So then I'm justified in my response to them, which is never a justified response. It's right. always like, well, they stepped on my foot. So I punched him in the face. Well, I punched him in the face so that I just, you know, yanked all their hair out. You know, it's, it's this ever never ending escalation. And at some point somebody has to say, we will not continue. He says in here, outrage is motivated by desire to punish or destroy rather than reconcile and refine. It is frequently accompanied by hubris and a confidence in judgment, categorically rejecting any nuance. And that, that's what we hear on the news, right? Right. If you're on OAN, if you're on MSNBC, whatever it may be, like th- this is so simple. This no, th- these issues aren't complex. This is just a you know stand right here, vote the way we tell you to vote, and think the way we tell you to think. There's no nuance, but that that just adds to the outrage. Outrage yeah. doesn't have any, as he's mentioning here, it doesn't try to meet in the middle. It doesn't try to reconcile. We're just going to sit on our side, lob bombs, and then hopefully you'll be quiet enough that we can move our agenda forward. And we win the points that way, right? So number one, outrage is disproportionate. Yeah. Number two, outrage is selfish. No. Yes. It's all about me, my needs, my wants, and it and it always supersedes whatever injustice is out there. Outrage doesn't come from our own securities, does it? Oh, Tim, now you're yeah. touching things. Outrage, number three, is divisive. Divisive, actually. Divisive. divisive. I like divisive. Mm. We talked about this in the last episode, but basically that outrage divides us. It sets up an us versus them tribalism mentality, which basically says my side is right 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. The other side is not just wrong. The other side is actively evil, mm-hmm. and they get together in their little groups, and they talk about how to be evil. And this happens on both sides. Oh, for sure. That both sides are sitting there going, this this is so wrong. All these people do is come up with new ways to be horrible and, and nasty, and that's just not even right. You're just justifying your behavior, and no one is buying it. Uh, number four, outrage is visceral. It is just gut reaction, nasty, aggressive as you said, lacking any kind of reflection. Number five, outrage is domineering. It is intended to break other people down, to mm-hmm. just say, bend to my will. It's all about winning. No moderation, no ability to listen to counsel. And lastly, Stetcher says this, outrage is dishonest. It misrepresents the other side for points. It is not thoughtful. It is not nuanced. It does not consider that there are complex issues that are worth discussion. And just because somebody disagrees or has a different way of looking at it does not make them evil, does not make them horrible. It means that they are bringing something else to 
the discussion that is worthy of consideration. Right. No reconciliation, no nuance. To me, that's, that's, the, that's the, the, the word of the day from this chapter, yeah. for sure. And so ultimately, as he says here, we need to call outrage what it is, and that word is sin. Mm. And so if you are outraged, if you are sitting there and you're hearing these words go, yeah, but... Like there's so many in the political arena that just say, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but that side did it first. Yeah, but because they did this or yeah, but, okay, I I agree with that, you know, but if you're qualifying any of these statements, what you're trying to do is justify your own sin. And we're not trying to be nasty. We just need to call it out and say, guys, here's what we are doing. Here's where our head is at and how we are trying to just give our side the win and we can justify it, or at least we think we can here here's let me just we need to finish this one up and we do get ready for the other two in episode 8.5 so this is probably off topic but here's what i would love to see i would love to see as a guy who has i've already made up my mind who i'm voting and not voting for um i would love to see president trump and vice president biden or for i don't know how you say that i would love to see trump and biden one who is a professing Christian evangelical or whatever he is, uh, another who's a professing Catholic. And instead of Biden saying there's no chance that Trump is a Christian, and instead of saying Trump saying there's no chance that Biden is a Catholic Christian or Christian, I would love to just see them sit down and discuss their beliefs. Like I, I know this is a, just a false hope. This will never happen. It's never happened in the history of politics that people would sit down and just Hey, let's have a conversation and let's ask, you know, what's your stance? What's your belief instead of just shouting from the other podium? But I mean, I do know we've, you know, Trump is literally, uh, I was looking up a quote that, um, you know, says that Biden is, quote, against God. Yeah. Um, and I know Biden has said some things towards Trump about how terrible he is. And I mean, you know, you know, Biden's terrible. Trump's terrible. Sure. I mean, that's what they, that's at least that's what everybody claims. Right. Um, I, I would just love to see real honest conversation. That'll never happen. It'll never happen, but I would love to see honest. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah. You live in a world no one else lives in. Yeah. Uh, no, but that would be amazing. So guys, as we begin to wrap this up, um, we need to sort of in, not necessarily on a high note. We're so let's be real clear. We're not actually not, since it's going to be a, a continuation, uh, on Thursday or the, the next episode, 8.5. Um, we're not going to wrap up with a confession today. We're not going to wrap up with a great Christian people. We're going to save that for the next episode. So if you've gotten this far and you're like, man, I just was here to hear them say bad things about themselves. I'm sorry. Uh, you can just check in on the next episode and we'll try to find something really disgusting that we can share. Uh, but here, here are a number of things out of this second chapter that would help us combat our unrighteous anger. Tim talked about it already. Be quick to listen, slow to anger. Don't respond quickly. Ask yourself the question in this instance, what is a God glorifying response? Okay. Number two, pick your battles. You don't have to correct every wrong. You don't have to fight every fight. You see something that is clearly not correct uh, on social media. You don't have to respond. You don't, there was a thing I saw as a meme. It was so good. It was like, you don't have to attend every argument you're invited to. Um, <laughs> like you, you don't, you don't have to go to that. You don't have to participate, you know, choose to say, I'm not going to do that. And then think through what you're trying to accomplish. If you see somebody post something, if you see, if you hear someone say something, 
you need to evaluate what is my end goal here? Not just, I disagree with you. So therefore I need to put you down and have you stop saying this thing that I disagree with. It's what is the goal here? And then I want to, I got all those from his book and I want to add two more. One, you need to evaluate who you are listening to. Let's say we. We? Yeah. Well, I don't listen to anybody. I just listen to myself and Jesus. Got it. Um, That's not true. Uh, Evaluate who we, I appreciate that correction, Tim, Uh, who we are listening to. I say that to say every single person on the face of the earth is being discipled by someone. Yeah. And some voice, some input, we are all being discipled. We see this a lot. We've talked about it a lot during 24-hour news that it's so prevalent if you just watch and if you sit back and go, I'm not going to, I'm not going to engage with and just, just put a rubber stamp of approval. Let's just listen to how they're talking and what they're saying and how they're treating what they would consider to be the opposition. It is just outrage and understand you can't listen to that over and over and over and fill your head with it and not be impacted by it. It will change you. It will change you. It will form you again. It will disciple you. And if we could give you a challenge, something that I have had to learn. I was not good at this for a very long portion of my life. Challenge yourself to not view everyone outside your tribe as the enemy. Hmm. Stop hating them. Josie just held up a sign. Maybe you've earned your microphone. Political tribalism is the greatest heresy in the American church, causing division and bringing about ungodly behavior on both sides. And he dropped his iPad. If that was a microphone, it'd be great. Now he's out a whole bunch of money. Uh, iPads are, yeah, they're more expensive than yeah. a microphone. There are people who disagree with you, who are on whatever side, who are in, in opposition to whatever you hold dear. They are not evil people. They may have different thoughts than you. They may have different positions than you. They may have sinful positions that we're not arguing. We're not saying that everyone who disagrees with you is also morally right, but how we conduct ourselves will determine whether or not we are morally right, whether our anger is righteous. And I would suggest to you, and I believe Tim would do the same and that we should reserve our anger for the things that truly break God's heart, not our own, not that fly in opposition to what we believe and the things that we hold dear, but actually break God's heart and then express that in a way that Jesus would, which is with love and with forgiveness and grace for the purpose of reconciliation. And goodness. Yeah, it's like Paul says to the church in Ephesus, be angry and do not sin. So there are times for anger, mm-hmm. but there's never a time for sinful anger. So guys, the world needs convictional Christians to step up and to act like Jesus, yeah. to be angry the yeah. way Jesus would, which is an incredibly loving way. And if we don't, if the church, if the convictional Christians don't start doing this, I would suggest there is no hope for our society. People are not just going to start being good. It is going to come from a transforming experience with the Holy Spirit working through us and helping us to be better people. And that is our goal. We're going to end it here for today, and we will pick up on episode 8.5, where we deal with the next two lies. So if you have the book, go through lie number three and number four, and we will have that conversation then. 
Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GCPPod. Email us at goodchristianpod at gmail.com. I know we've probably stirred some things up, and we would like to have a discussion with you about that. Oh, we have stirred the pot. We have, and uh, we do it in love because we want to be better people. So next time, we will continue in Christians in the Age of Outrage series, looking at the next two lies that we believe that help perpetuate outrage and division. And until then, be good. been listening to good christian people the podcast today's doubleheader episode was recorded on september 24th 2020 by jeff higgins and tim Byer, two pastors living in beautiful glen Burnie, maryland if you'd like to find more of our content please follow us online at goodchristianpod.com or follow us on twitter at at happening with the the rubble of the party i start over again rubble of the party you're the one the one who makes all my politics fun